0: This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ.tax. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for joining us this evening. My name is Darren Joseph and with me is uh, and we're going to talk about U.S.-Singapore tax. Again, uh, for those who are joining us for the first time, we do not give advice. We are qualified professionals. So, of course, we're just talking about general principles and general issues. If it is that you need advice that is um, that you want to take action on, you need to engage a professional who is duly qualified to, to give that advice or to help you with, with your tax issues. So we're having a general conversation about general principles. Thank you for joining us. HGJ.tax, more is rolling. And we do this every week. If you go to HGJ.tax forward slash events, you can see what live streams are doing every week. And we also publish videos every day on over 20 Various platform so wherever you get your podcast chances are we are there also so oh this is being recorded so for those of you who are joining us on zoom if you do not want your image to appear it's simple you're going to keep your camera switched off and whether you're on zoom or one of the other platforms if you want to ask a question just type it in the box below for those on zoom i would have emailed you before inviting you to uh uh submit questions uh five of you did thank you for that uh for those who have not done so it's not too late just type in the box below and we will discuss them in the order in which they uh, received so without further ado do i turn you over to Bunia? Bunia, the floor is yours good evening uh, everyone uh maybe uh
1: morning for some of you all, but uh, i'm in Singapore so good evening uh, I just would like to share a bit about uh, Singapore tax. Uh, before I start, uh, just a uh, brief uh, introduction about myself. Uh, my name is Boon So I'm an SME Client a Service Director at uh, Moss Run Singapore. Uh, I work with uh, Darren uh, on cross-border cases like uh, US tax with uh, Singapore exposure and vice right. versa. So, okay. Give me a second, I'll share my screen. All right, so here are we. So today I will share a bit uh, briefly about uh, taxes in Singapore, both for individual and uh, for um, companies, of course. Yep. And okay, just uh, a beginning, just to have a snapshot on uh, Singapore. So if you look at uh, some of the publications uh, that we can uh, find on the web, can see Singapore is actually uh, quite uh, on top in terms of uh, ease of doing business, uh, efficient governments, and the least corrupt countries uh, in the world. So these are the recent one that that has been published. So Singapore, in terms of doing business, ranks second, uh, ease of doing business is ranked second. So if you look at, all these statistics, you can see they are ranked quite efficient in terms of governments. The policies of governments are uh, quite friendly uh, to business and they encourage entrepreneurship, uh, startup in Singapore, and uh, they provide supports for qualifying companies uh, to accelerate uh, their growth also from Singapore and out from Singapore. Right. So, okay. So just basically on starting a business, um, okay, you talk about permanent establishment um, is a It's a fixed place where you you start a business and where you have a management and uh, a place, uh, where you have most of the business activities, right. So when you have a permanent establishment, uh, you basically set up uh, the residency of the tax. So if you have a PE in Singapore, uh, you will be a tax resident in Singapore and you have subject to uh, tax in Singapore. So um, there are a few types of business structures. Okay. Um, You have companies limited by shares, by guarantees, partnerships, branch, right? So proprietorship. Um, the most common one would be companies limited by shares. So there are plenty of uh, companies set up uh, uh, every month or even every day in Singapore that uh, we can see they are in this structure, right? And okay, incorporating a business uh, in Singapore uh, mainly comprises uh, three sections. Okay, so pre-registration, uh, what you need to consider is decision on the structure where you have, if if you have, uh, if you are uh, MNC coming in from uh, investing from uh, foreign, foreign uh, investment, and you have to consider what structure you want to set it up. Okay. uh, You can consider a a limited company by shares, or even a branch. If you think that you are here just for a short period of time, yeah, that model will work. And obviously, there are a lot more to do uh, compared to uh, the past. I mean, the past uh, setting up company, it takes like a day or even a few hours, okay? It's a lot more uh, compliance lately uh, in, due to the need to comply of uh, the money laundering, okay? And uh, the terrorist counter-terrorist financing uh, for business, right? So, um, that's why a service provider like us has to be a little bit more uh, in terms of heighten the risk uh, on this aspect of the KYC. Okay. So, okay. So registration of company actually talking about pre-registration. If things are done properly, it takes a few days, right? Uh, one or two days. The company is up and running. Okay, And the next thing, obviously, is opening up a bank account is unlike uh, the past um, opening of bank account has become uh, very much uh, more difficult uh, lately. Uh, As what I said earlier, uh, due to the need to comply with uh, a lot of uh, compliance, like in the AML compliance, CFP compliance, right? So typically it would take one to two months. And I mean, I've seen cases where it take up to six months depending on the structure, right? So uh, what happened is in Singapore, we, we work with uh, banks. So we are panel of uh, major local banks that uh, we refer that uh, we get a pre-qualified as a vendor. And uh, our referral obviously will have a better chance of getting it approved uh, faster, right? So post registration, obviously you are talking about work passes, right? If you were to set up structures, if you were to put headcounts in Singapore, then you have to consider work passes uh, for your directors or even for your key staff, right? And yeah, if you are in specialized industry, like in the F&B, or in the tourism sector, you may need licenses, right? So uh, the last but not least is the application of GST, right? It may not be necessary, it can be voluntary depending on your input taxes. So business with uh, high input taxes are advised to register for GST so that you can claim back from uh, the inland revenue. Okay, so what is taxable? And what is non taxable? Okay, Singapore taxes, um, I would say, is not that complicated in terms of uh, looking at this uh, category. So, if you talk about taxable income, obviously, gains, profits, anything to do with trade is taxable. Okay, so um, non taxable, obviously, capital gains, right, dividend income. Okay, Singapore has a uh, tier one system so all dividend income are uh, basically uh, exempt from tax right. so foreign source then yes uh, is also not taxable uh, provided that you uh, have suffered tax uh, in the foreign country right and okay uh, the very important question is when is taxable so Singapore tax system is based on a crude basis, so when uh, it's accrued or when derived, and you have to subject to tax, it doesn't matter whether you receive or not, and when it's accrued or derived from Singapore, uh, it has to be taxed. And the other aspect is when the income is remitted. So what happens is if you have investment in overseas, let's say if you have interest right from overseas that you have not uh, remitted into Singapore, uh, you will not be taxable, right? Okay, Okay, tax calendar. Okay, so, uh, okay, the effective tax rate. So if you look at uh, the left-hand side, uh, these are the latest uh, effective tax rate in Singapore. Uh, If you look at the first billion that you made, you are effectively paying about 14. 88%, so it's less than 15%. It's actually one of the lowest tax regime in, I would say, Asia Pacific. Uh, You have Hong Kong that is come close uh, at 16.5. I think Hong Kong does have a tier system. First 2 million Hong Kong dollars is at 8.25%, but comparatively, Singapore is still lowest. So if you consider setting up a regional headquarter or even a step foot into the fais you may consider singapore as the most favorable tax uh, um, system right so the tax calendar uh, is quite simple to remember so you have two tax calendar one is for you to file the estimated chargeable income which is due uh, 3 months after the end of your financial year and the other is every 30th november that is your final submission of uh, your corporate tax. Okay, so we are now in the individuals. Um, okay, individuals, what is taxable and what is non? right? So obviously individual, we talk about trade, business, uh, your employment income, they are all taxable. So if you have property and uh, you receive rental income, it's taxable. Uh, but not capital gain. So if you hold a property and eventually for a few years and you sell it, and uh, it's not subject to tax. Uh, But obviously it's not that simple. You have to prove uh, that these are capital in nature. There are ways to prove. Obviously there are few factors that you have to look into it. Okay, so the other thing is uh, other sources like royalty, Right, they are all taxable. And, okay, what is non-taxable? Oops, sorry. So, um, yeah, so we went through earlier uh, in the corporate uh, tax. So for individuals are almost the same. Okay, um, oversee income. Uh, if you're, even if you don't uh, declare, if you don't uh, remit, if you remit, it's not taxable. Right, so you need not declare anything. Uh, Dividend income obviously is not taxable, uh, subject to cooperative. Um, Interest income received from banks. Okay. And uh, from interest from debt security and inheritance. So Singapore is not subject to inherent tax. um, So there's no inherent tax at all. Okay, individual rates. um, Individual tax rate is based on tier system. So, I would think is not the lowest. So if you look at the highest it's at 22%, right? So if you are, so there's a bit of a tax planning that you can do. Uh, normally for um, those that are high, uh, um, higher income individuals, probably they would uh, consider taking a, a lower salary or even a, a business owners, they would consider taking a lower salary scale Uh, but most of uh, getting dividend out from the company. So that's not subject to tax. Yeah, it could be uh, a very typical way of uh, planning, right? So tax calendar, uh, 15 of every year. Uh, Unlike uh, corporate, uh, individual tax has a a tighter deadline. Uh, 15 of every year, you have to file your individual tax. Okay, so there are other taxes in Singapore uh, besides the income tax. So there are withholding taxes, are indirect te- taxes. And um, yep, royalty, if you have loan to a related corporation in, in, in elsewhere, and that is uh, subject to tax. Okay, and um, yeah, ro- royalty income, if you have intellectual property, Um, that is subject to tax, right? Um, So payment of services, right? So uh, withholding tax, the very uh, important element to look at it is uh, where the services are performed, right? So um, briefly withholding taxes. So these are the withholding tax rates. So if you look at that, the nature of the income and the tax rates um, okay, so if you are in a uh, shipping, shipping uh, industry, basically uh, you don't subject to any refolding tax. Uh, okay, technical assistance is something uh, very different, so it's at the prevailing corporate income tax rates. All right, okay, uh, these are yeah, directors professional and uh, public entertainment. So what happened if you are a foreign director. So you are subject to um, tax at 22%, right? Is the highest. So if you look at the individual income tax, uh, the highest rate, the highest tier is at 22%. So do foreign director as in non-tax resident director. So it's subject to 22% uh, tax for payment of uh, director fee. Okay. So, yep. So these are a few taxes. So, okay. Um, As I mean, Singapore is one of uh, the highly incentivized country in terms of uh, taxes. So there are actually um, a lot of uh, incentives available for qualifying uh, companies. Okay. So one of the most, popular is uh, the IHQ or the regional headquarter, RHQ. Okay, you can actually have concession tax Okay, subject to approval from the tax authority. Obviously, there are criterias to meet, right? So the lowest you can get to is 5% tax. So it's relatively low, right? Uh, Global Trader Program is one of the very popular uh, incentives that a company would like to apply. So what happened is if you're in commodity business, uh, qualifying business, obviously, including a uh, commodity, uh, gold, like gold, uh, um, um, all sorts of uh, commodity trading, uh, you can qualify for GDP, where you, you can enjoy concession of 5%, right? So others are merger and acquisition, up to 40 million um, of the value of acquisition entitled for tax relief. And uh, obviously R&D is uh, among the more popular one, but it's not so easy to uh, meet the criteria for R&D. So a lot of company uh, may have different uh, definition of R&D, but it's it's, uh, up to the company to prove. Uh, And yep, so you have this fund management incentive Obviously, these are something to do with family offices, which uh, the government have been advocating lately. Um, that uh, a lot of publication about setting up family offices in uh, Singapore. So these are the incentives the the company provide. So um, okay, I have another slides uh, later. Perhaps uh, I'll get more into detail later. So GIP is another. Um, program incentive to um, basically attract those uh, high net worth individual. So what happened? I I recently uh, dealt with a case. Um, it's a Chinese national. So he has a, a company uh, in the Nasdaq and which is sold off, and basically he put all the the money into a trust into a uh, I think from BlackRock or what. So yeah, so immediately he qualifies. So uh, the minimum requirement is 200 million. So he gets, what happened is uh, he get pre-qualified so that he can, he will get a a, a resident status in Singapore. So he will bring his family down and uh, for, for the purpose of a second generation to live and stay in Singapore. This is one of uh, the more difficult one Proof because you need a lot of uh, wealth. So these are more towards the high uh, net individual. Okay, so this is the family office that I'm talking earlier. Um, there are basically three sections, the 13CA, 13R and 13X. So if you look at the 13CA, there, there isn't any quite criteria. So basically it's more of a private uh, kind of family office. Okay, uh, you can do investments. Um, you can set up uh, structures that not even a, a company, it can be individual. So uh, it's quite easy. It's a startup or family office. Normally, uh, the, a lot of people would go for 13R. Okay, you have tax, you are incentivized, but you, you need a prior approval and there are criteria to meet, right? 13CA are those that, they want to try out, and late, later on they will upgrade to, uh, thirteen R or thirteen X even, right? Obviously, thirteen X are those uh, a lot more uh, wealth. Uh, you're talking about asset under management of fifty million, right? So typically the come uh, the, the FO structure would be this way: the trust, uh, involving a holding company, uh, the family holding uh, under a trust with a holding company, and you- You run a a family office running by by investment team and you have a SPV and investment portfolio, right? There are of course a lot more structures uh, that uh, can be done. Okay, so uh, just following through, these are the work passes. I'm not going to go through very detailed, but if you look at that, so basically there are quite a number of passes Uh, for professionals, you have uh, three levels of passes. And uh, skill, semi-skill, these are more towards um, the foreign workers coming into Singapore, right? Even for training students, uh, you are entitled passes. So those uh, intern, like if you are MNC, PNG, they send uh, intern from overseas. Yeah, it can be done, right? Family members, obviously it depends on uh, the principal. So if you hold an employment pass, okay, uh, your spouse was subject to, can, can uh, apply for dependent pass or even long-term visit pass, right? So a dependent pass uh, uh, allows you to work but not uh, a long-term visit pass. So each pass uh, has a, a different criteria to meet, right? Um, yeah, these are, again, uh, a different type of pass, right? So uh, a bit about, most stolen. so we are present in Asia Pacific, fourteen countries. So we put, uh, we are full fledged uh, service firm. Okay, these are the services that we provide, and uh, um, also US tax specialist. If you look at that, uh, with Darren, and yeah, a snapshot of what we do, right, and uh, these are our contacts. Uh, so I've come to the end of uh, my presentation. So
0: over to you, uh, Darren. Thank you very much, Munyip, And thanks for those who've been asking questions. Again, it's not too late. If you have any questions or topics that you want us to sort of explore, feel free to just type in the box below and we'll get to them in the order in which they are received. So, okay, first question. Hi there. I work for a US based company who uh, well, which has many overseas offices, okay. Since we're all remote because of, I I can't say why it's remote because then we get uh, censored on some platforms, but we know that there's a health crisis. So I guess this is what the person referred to. Sorry, I can't can't say the word. I asked to spend a few extra weeks in Singapore with my family. They rejected my request, said it was a tax issue, and they didn't want to explain any more. I don't believe that they are correct. What is your guidance here? (laughs) Okay. So uh, first of all, I don't want to get into anything, any issues you may have with your superiors, right? That, you know, that's a corporate personnel, whatever issue. From a tax perspective, uh, I think we, I think there may be a point and uh, If you remember one of the first slides that Bunyip had in his deck, he was talking about permanent establishment. I mean, I don't know anything about you. I don't know uh, the name of your company, you didn't mention it. so So I don't know where you sit in the company, but from a tax perspective, if it is that your position is of a more senior nature, and for example, if you have the ability to let's say conclude contracts, you being, you being in Singapore while your company is in the US and you're an employee, it may trigger what Bunya had in his, one of his earlier slides, something called permanent establishment. And as a result of that permanent establishment, your company in the US, your employer in the US may become taxable in Singapore. So again, I, again, I don't know the nuances of, of the situation with your company, but just generally speaking, this could be what your boss is referring to. By you spending uh, extra time to be with your family in Singapore. And I know, you know it's a special time of the year and everything, but uh, perhaps that's their concern. And so if, if, if so, perhaps th- this is uh, an opportunity to take this point to, to your boss, or perhaps someone in your finance or your tax team and have a deeper dive into that, and have a more I an mean, exploratory conversation with them, and see what sort of arrangements can be made. But I get it; you know, there's so many people working remotely because of that health the health crisis that we're all facing right now. But uh, unfortunately, there are tax implications to someone who may be of a senior level, spending a lot of time in another jurisdiction. So, or even within the US, just spending time in another state, there may be task consequences, so far less internationally. So I'm sorry that you know it's it's a difficult time, but hopefully you and your boss can work it out. Sorry. Okay, <clears throat> next question. Okay, someone is a US citizen, they're based in Hong Kong, and she wants to move to Singapore to work for a technology company. And she has the opportunity to work as an independent contractor for this Singapore-based technology company. And she wants to know whether she can form a, an LLC in the US, for example, Delaware, and use that as the vehicle to invoice the, I guess it would be a client because it's not an employer, employer-employee relationship, but an independent contractor service provider uh, relationship. Okay. This is an interesting topic or question or idea because I've heard it uh, more than once in the past few months. And, uh, you know, someone got quite upset with me when I gave them the answer. So I hope you don't get upset with me too. So it, again, this, this ties back to uh, what Bunyip mentioned. Uh, you know, that, one, th- that first slide that Bunyip put up that's perhaps, you know, one of the most important slides when it comes to doing business across borders, this idea of permanent establishment. So you may think that you're in Singapore, you moved to Singapore from Hong Kong and you, and you worked through, let's say uh, a, a Delaware or Nevada, a Wyoming company uh, that you set up, but you set up that company, right? So you're like the only person with this company. And you're using this to invoice for work being done in Singapore. The point is that that company that you have set up in the US has what we call permanent establishment in, in Singapore. So as a result, that company by right should be taxable to Singapore, and the Inland Revenue Authority of Singapore, is, you know, has the right to tax that company because it has it. You know, it has what we call a substance you have the key decision makers or what we call management and control. So that's the two tests uh, in in Singapore's tax uh, legislation. It's all about management and control. And when management and control is being exercised from Singapore, that's a Singapore company regardless of where it's incorporated. So in your situation, Uh, Again, I can't, we can't give advice because I I don't know the nuances of your situation inside out, but generally speaking, we would have a conversation with a client in a similar situation to yours and we'd advise uh, forming a Singapore company. And, you know, uh, go ahead. Uh, ahead. Sorry, sorry. uh, just just Add
1: a little bit more. So um, looking at your context, if... uh, you were to provide uh, your service in Singapore and uh, the invoice goes to uh, the, the US company, um, uh, you could possibly be subject to withholding tax also, right? So there are other aspects to look at, like what uh, Darren was saying, that uh, you have to look really at uh, uh, the context. Um, it's not something that is exact, but uh, that could be a possibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there, there you go. It's even more complicated. So uh, I think if, if you want, you can contact us directly. Bunia put our contact details uh, at the end on his last slide, but you can reach out to us and we can, we can work with you more closely to come to a solution that, that makes sense. But definitely setting up this one person company in the U.S. while you are working in Singapore for a client in Singapore, we we don't think that uh, that works. That 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 doesn't really work. Okay. So again, sorry for the bad news, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, next question. Right. How how is CPF? So I guess someone is either a a U.S. citizen with who is a PR in Singapore because they're asking about CPF, or they may be Singaporean. Who holds a US green card? They didn't say, uh, but I assume it's one of the two. Uh, CPF is a common um, subject uh, area for us because typically, when you work with US based tax professionals, they don't understand what the central providence fund is. They don't understand what the CPF is. They don't know whether it's like a superannuation in Australia, they don't know whether to treat it as a a PFIC, a passive foreign investment company for U.S. purposes. They don't know whether to treat it as a trust for U.S. purposes and it gets really confusing. So uh, being that we are a a U.S. tax team that's actually based in Singapore, that gives us greater closeness to the nuances of working in Singapore. We, uh, if you go to our website, hegeo.tax, there is an article that I wrote about the CPF. And in it, I was actually able to, uh, to quote uh, an opinion given by the U.S. Embassy in Singapore. Back in the days when the U.S. Embassy had a bit more budget, and there was actually an IRS team, an Internal Revenue Service team based in the US embassy in Singapore, they were asked to consider the CPF and they gave a written opinion. So we have that on our website, but essentially, no, it's not like the super in Australia. It's not going to be a trust. It's not going to be a perfect what it is, but at the same time, you can't get the tax benefits that you would get from a Singapore tax perspective, because from a Singapore tax perspective, you, you get to reduce potentially your taxable income to the extent that you contribute to, to the CPF, but you don't get that benefit from, from the US. So it's not treated like a qualified plan from a, a US qualified plan, like a like let's say a 401k. What you, what you need to do is you would, the interest that you get from the CPF, that will go on your schedule B. And the fact that you have a CPF means that you're probably gonna wanna check the box at the bottom of your schedule B depending on the threshold of your other financial assets, it may trigger Form 8938, and it will probably trigger Form 114, which is your FBAR, your foreign bank account report. So, uh, oh, one last thing that a lot of people forget, even teams that are based in Singapore, you know, with the CPF, there's also an employer contribution. So you're an employee, you're contributing, but there's an opportunity for your employer to contribute as well. Your employer contribution is taxable to you on your U.S. tax return. So I hope that helps. Have a look at the website. And if you have any further questions, feel free to reach out and we're happy to have that conversation with you or your advisor uh, back in the U.S. to help him or her understand how the CPF should be treated. So that's that, moving on. Again, for those who just joined, feel free to type in the box below any questions or issues that you want us to, to explore, have a conversation about. Next one. Okay, someone is leaving Singapore. Sorry to hear that. Leaving Singapore to move to the UK. Right. So in, in a situation like that, when you're leaving Singapore, particularly to go to a higher tax jurisdiction like, like Europe, you know, you need to be prepared, right? Because you've been spoiled in Singapore being in a, a relatively low tax environment. So you're gonna be jumping into a, a, a fire from a tax perspective. So you go the UK, you know, just like the rest of Europe. I know the UK is not part of Europe, but you know what I mean, uh, it is high tax jurisdiction, So some sort of planning is, is recommended. So you probably wanna sit with a, an advisory team who understands both Singapore and the UK, if it is that you're moving, and the US because you're US exposed as well uh there there are there are tax planning opportunities uh, from a uk perspective you can elect the uh, something called a split year treatment where part of you know even i I don't know when no you you didn't mention when this year you're going to be moving to the uk but you do have an opportunity to exclude uh some of depending on when you move to the uk the period, uh, the the part of the the tax year before you move, can, you can exercise the option to exclude that from UK taxes, uh, rather than go with the default where the entire tax year is taxable to the UK. So electing that split year treatment provides a planning opportunity to the extent that any big transactions you may need to make, you can make in Singapore, especially capital gains, you know, stock options, whatever you can make in Singapore before moving to the US, before moving to the UK, I'm sorry. In addition to which you can elect uh, to be what we call, or what is commonly known as non Dom. So you can be tax resident in the UK, but without being tax domiciled in the UK. And that gives you the opportunity to exclude your foreign income, your foreign source income from UK taxes, everything is gonna be taxable to the US obviously, but the UK tends to be a higher tax jurisdiction than the US. So you tend, when you UK, US expose, you tend to plan to the UK rather than in Singapore when you plan to the US because it's a higher tax jurisdiction. So bottom line is I would recommend some sort of uh, tax optimization strategy uh, session with a team and, and we're happy to provide that if, if you're not already committed in a, another direction. We go through all your assets and all your income streams and help, you, you know, help guide you as to what's the most appropriate decision to you given this this big, big step you're about to make. Uh, hope that helps. Moving on to lesson again, for those who've just joined, you can just type your questions in the box below and we will get to them in the order in which they are received. Uh, Yes, what's going on with the IRS yeah complaints it's no it's not just no, it's not you, so someone is you know having problems with the IRS and delays in correspondence and processing just it's not you, it's because of the the larger health crisis the name of which we can't mention because then we get uh you know you know sanctioned in certain platforms, but because of the the health crisis there's a backlog in terms of processing there's some 20 uh, some returns for 2020 which were submitted in 2021 which have yet to be processed by the irs so we we know you know we have clients that have paper filed last year in a timely fashion and their returns have yet to be processed because of this backlog you know you can just do a quick search or you can look at irs.gov the latest press release, but there are millions of unprocessed returns because of of the crisis that is going on. So what does that mean? It means we recommend and we work with our clients in the following way. Where possible, we try to e-file because at least when it's e-filed, it's a system, the technology is gonna process that return. When you paper file a return, then someone needs to scan that in. And what uh, some of the agents have been doing because of the health crisis. When a package or mail is received, they don't touch it for a couple of weeks because they wanna give it time. And then they open it. And then and then of course there's social distancing in the office. So they're not at capacity. And you know it just, it get, it just gets more complicated. And for those who are trying to ring, you're right. It's been even harder than usual. Uh, I think it's less than 10% of the calls to the IRS have actually been answered. So it's not just you. So you try to uh, e-file as much as possible. And I I don't know whether you're self-filing or not, you you didn't mention. But when you self-file and you handwrite on the return, that increases the processing time as well. And that also opens it up to mathematical errors. So try as much as possible to use software uh, if it is at your cell filer. One of the big changes last year were the child tax credits. Please look out for that form, that child tax credit form. That is super important because that information, the IRS is gonna send you something in the mail and that form is necessary for your return. So please uh, treat it very carefully. And that leads to another issue that people are having on the other side, which is uh, delays in mail arriving into Singapore from the U.S. And again, it's not used, the IRS, it's, it's, there's a lot of delays. We have clients receiving letters from the IRS this week that were sent in November. Uh, so it is, it is quite a delay and some a little bit before. So please, please keep that in mind. Uh, there are also a lot of returns being flagged for identity checks because of uh, identity theft. So even my, to be honest, my return was flagged for, you know, just a random identity check. So, you know, it, it, it happens to everybody. They just want to make sure that no one is being a victim of identity theft. So just again, use the software, try to e-file. If it is that you expect to refund, provide your bank details. Don't, give, don't check the box for a paper check because that's going to take a long time to be processed and then to enter Singapore. So hope that helps. It's not just you, but there are ways to, that you can work with them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so someone is at, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, so there's a question below. Okay, let me jump to this one. Uh, thank you, Amando. I'm an American citizen with prim- permanent residence in Singapore. If I receive dividends distributions from a Singapore company where, I'm a, where I am a director and owner, would I need to pay tax on that dividend in Singapore? Well, Bunyip, Bun- for those who can't see because they're not on Zoom, Bunyip, do you want to uh, give your your response? Because Bunyip typed uh, an answer.
1: You uh, so, so, just to answer a question from uh, Mando, so the the dividend you receive from a Singapore company is not taxable in Singapore. Uh, but if you are American citizen, uh, I believe uh, Darren can advise is probably taxable in the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, Bunip, you, you're absolutely correct. Every worldwide income is taxable to the US, including the dividends that you receive tax free in Singapore. Uh, which leads to another dilemma that company owners like yourself, we have quite a few of our clients, uh, uh, company owners, uh, US Exposed company owners, and what they have is a bit of a dilemma. If you remember one of Bunyav's slides in his deck, and for those who missed it, uh, this is being recorded so you can go to YouTube or wherever, you know, YouTube, I guess. Or, or to our website, hdj.task. And you can actually look at the recording again. So if, if you missed Unip's, uh deck, because he mentioned that dividends are tax-free to, to, you know, to business owners here in Singapore. So therefore, you, know, you, you are from a, a Singapore tax perspective, you're being incentivized to take as much as you can in dividends, but then you're US exposed. So, you know, section 911 of the U.S. tax code, which is perhaps one of the most generous provisions for those who are U.S. exposed and working internationally, where you get uh, a chunk of your income, your your salary free of U.S. tax. And that amount moves with inflation. So I think it's gonna be like 112,000 for when you're filing your return for last year. So the first 112,000 plus your deductions and whatever uh, plus your housing deduction and some of your utilities. So let's say your $150,000 uh, of income, of earned income will be free of U.S. tax. So therefore, from a U.S. tax perspective, you incentivize to take more uh, salary and less as dividends, right? You get me? Whereas in from a Singapore tax perspective, you're being incentivized to take more as dividends less a salary so that's where we work with clients to find that that goldilocks level between how much should you really be taking thinking of uh, the singapore perspective uh as salary and then how much you should be taking uh, as dividends to, to get the balance right and unfortunately there is no double tax treaty between singapore and the US like there is with Indonesia to the US or Philippines to the US, or Australia to the US. So those dividends that you're gonna get from your Singapore company are gonna be taxed at ordinary tax rates. Uh, so it could go up to 35% or, or whatever tax bracket you're in. And then on top of that, uh, sorry, you know, but we, we deal with this every day. On top of that, because Singapore is in a low tax jurisdiction, a so-called low tax jurisdiction like Hong Kong, you're gonna be subject to the profits that you have in the company. There's a deemed distribution because typically or historically, you would only be taxed from a US perspective, right? On the money that you pull out of that Singapore company in the form of salary or some sort of bonus or consulting fees or whatever, plus dividends but now there's a tax uh, on the retained earnings. It's called guilty Global Intangible Low Tax Income Tax. And yeah, you know, this is one of the provisions under President Trump Tax Cut and Jobs Act back in December, 2017. So as a result of that tax, uh, any retained earnings that you have on that company balance sheet, that even though it's not distributed to you, will be taxable to you. As the majority owner of that company. So, again, some sort of planning would be helpful in terms of getting the tax optimization right. So, yes. Uh, next question. Oh, okay. Someone else, oh, Lancaster. I, he falls into the same scenario as Armando. I hold dual nationality, US and UK. Yes, uh, uh, Bunyip and I, our advice would be the same. So you'd need to do some planning because you'd be having to balance just, just like uh, Amando between how much you're going to take as salary versus how much you're going to take as dividends. Bearing in mind that lurking in the back is that deemed distribution, uh, b- basically a tax on phantom earnings called guilty Global Intangible Low Tax, Income Tax. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> Okay, looking at other questions. I'm just going to go quickly over to some of the other platforms to see if people are asking questions over there. Okay, someone is asking about flag theory. This is unusual. I normally get this in other uh, live streams, not in the U.S.-Singapore one. So I'm aware that flag theory is the name of... uh, a legal entity in Singapore and in Malaysia, but it's also the name of a, an actual theory. Uh, it, it was coined by a guy called Harry Schultz back in, I think it's the fifties or sixties. He was politically minded libertarian, and he advocated what he called three flag theories, which was over time, I think by the eighties, refined into five, five flags. So the uh, so the five flags uh, would be well, where you are a citizen for him it will be the United States, would not be where he's residence. He's resident outside of the U.S. and he will bank in another jurisdiction. His company will be in another jurisdiction, and he would entertain himself in another jurisdiction. Five flags. Uh, some people who are into crypto they advocate six or seven flags, but essentially I don't think it's meant to be dogmatic or prescriptive, it's the idea of having an international, di- internationally diversified lifestyle. And you know some of our clients come from certain uh, minority religious groups or ethnic groups uh, that historically may have had a hard time in their country of origin or where their, their grandparents or their parents came from. So again, there's this, there's this idea that you don't have all your eggs in one basket because if things go funny in the jurisdiction in which you have most of your wealth, you're completely exposed, right? So it's it's essentially the idea of having uh, a diversified lifestyle. Now that has come to take a different shape now that we in this new normal, this post-health crisis reality. And with the you know, the the lockdowns and reopenings and, and, and whatever. Many people have found it, those who have the ability to work remotely or to manage their businesses uh, from a remote location, they found it quite convenient. So for example, there are neighborhoods, you know, it was reported in the New York Times, you know, there are neighborhoods in New York in when things really kicked off in the middle of 2020, some neighborhoods like 40% of the neighbors just moved out in you know, some of the higher income neighborhoods. Why? Because they had a plan B, they, you know, they moved you know, upstate or one of the neighboring states as far down as Florida or to Martha's Vineyard or one of the you know, more rural settings where they'll have more space and whatever when things were getting pretty intense in New York. And you know, similarly in Singapore, We've seen some of our clients who have that plan B able to you know pick up and we have clients that have moved to Bali to manage their you know their situation in Singapore from Bali. many have returned to the u s some have uh moved to parts of Europe where you know they have more space and and, and whatever the, the unique situation would be so it's it may be worth you, know, you know, the original, putting aside what the original uh, prescription behind FLAC theory may have been, it may be worth considering having a plan B. And for those who need to travel for work when borders were closed, of course, uh, it has become quite difficult. Uh, in some instances, however, it is helpful if you are a resident of that jurisdiction in some, in some cases, it won't help. Some, in some cases, even citizens won't let, allow to travel in and out. But in some jurisdictions, it did help. Uh, non-essential travel was blocked. Uh, but essential travel, which would include returning to your, your home, was being allowed. So for those people who had to make business trips, it, it was helpful that they were a legal resident of that jurisdiction they're trying to get into. So again, stepping back. I'd say it is, in its original form, it may not be relevant today, but the the principle or the spirit behind it, the idea of being diversified and having a plan B, I think it is quite important. And especially in this new normal, I think it's worth having, you know, different residencies, uh, just in case you may want to move to somewhere that's more comfortable because of you know cases increasing wherever you are, so yeah, hope that helps. Uh, let's see. Are there any more questions? I'm just going to do a quick check of some of the other platforms again to see whether anyone else is asking questions. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, I, I think that's it. I think we've answered all your questions. So thank you for joining us. And again, this is this is being recorded and you can have a look at hdj.tats and you can see all the, the podcast platforms and websites where this will be uploaded from, I think it's going to be in Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon. Basically, wherever you're going to get your podcasts, you're going to find this recording we do this every week uh for, to find out what we're gonna talk about next week just have a look at HGJ. Tax and click on events you're free to join us anytime if you have any further questions please feel free to reach out to either or, or myself we'll be happy to work with you on any singapore us or any international tax issue in general so international tax in general, Singapore and U.S. in particular. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
2: Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Taxes at www.htj.tax. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tax. Number three. Contact us for tax optimization consult Offer Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your US international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at Tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.